You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 66. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars. I'm your host, Rachel Rambach, and this podcast is for women like me who are balancing a career they love with being a mom. This episode is devoted to all things Disney. Jamie and I discuss how we bring the songs, characters, and themes of Disney into the music therapy and early childhood settings, as well as into our own homes and with our families. If you're a Disney fan like us, you will definitely enjoy this episode. All right, Jamie. Well, I found out that you were kind of a Disney fanatic via social media when I saw you posting about your most recent Disney vacation. Yeah, I know that's actually one of the first things I noticed about you on social media too, is that <laughs> we are kind of like in that uh, we like to do the big Disney vacations. Well, I am really excited to talk all about Disney and doing those big Disney vacations. But first, let's talk about Disney and how it plays a part in our work because I know that for both of us, this is something that we do. So I'm going to let you kick this one off because I think you'll have even more to say on this topic. Yeah, so I realized early in my um, college clinical work how much Disney music and my knowledge of Disney music was actually going to be a benefit to me. One of the very first music therapy clients that I assisted with was using Lion King songs to prompt verbal um, communication. So the the therapist was uh, pausing the CD and then the client was using that pause time to say the lyrics to then keep the music going as we'd keep moving forward. As I progressed with working with this individual, we transitioned it over so that we weren't using the CD, but we're using live music on the piano, playing these same Disney songs, um, and then using the pauses and stuff to prompt for verbal cues. It's been kind of amazing the journey that I've noticed the Disney songs being able to work with individuals, especially with communication and language needs um, and individuals on the autism spectrum. So I've used a lot of Disney songs live, um, primarily live in my sessions uh, for working on music therapy goals. Like you, I saw another music therapist using Disney songs in her practice, and this was one of my internship supervisors who I feel like I reference all the time because she was so influential in just about every aspect of my work as far as owning a business and the way that I practice and the way that I work with children. Um, But she had a big collection of Disney songs, and she used them a lot in her work. So I kind of got the idea from there and I've always loved Disney. So I was really excited to to put those songs to use. And then going into my first job, I was a little stuck on finding material. Now this was back when material wasn't readily available all over the internet and all kinds of resources like there are now. So I was really just pulling from what I knew. I knew tons of Disney songs And I also knew that it was a good common ground. I feel like Disney is relatable to young kids. It's relatable to older children as well as adults. And in the setting that I was working, which was a school for children ages 6 up to 23, I think, it was a challenge to find material that that I could use across the board. 
So I found that Disney songs worked really well. I was able to adapt them in a lot of different ways. And there was such a variety of Disney songs that it was a good springboard to working with those students. And so I remember taking all of my Disney books and making copies of the songs and putting them in my song binder and pulling out songs that everybody pretty much knew or at least could engage with. So that's where I got the start for including Disney songs in my music therapy rep. And then it's just kind of carried through to working in private practice. Um, I've used Disney songs with my voice students. Of course, you know, lots of kids love singing the Disney songs and learning how to play them on guitar and piano and then adapting them as well. So one of the songs that I've adapted and use pretty often is Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid. And I adapted it to be a song for castanets. So I rewrote some of the lyrics. And uh, in fact, I just used it yesterday with a group. And that one's always such a crowd pleaser because I feel like having that familiar theme and having some of the familiar words pulls them in, but then engages them to work on those goals that I'm targeting. Some of the books I have that are like readily available at my office. You know, I, when I sit down to do a session, I have my pile of things that I routinely grab from. And there are probably five Disney books right there that are ready all the time that I use multiple times a week. Um, but the one book that is lacking that I wish were like existed would be a book on those Disney Junior um, television shows songs like the theme song so if anyone from Disney ever wants to figure out how to put that together into a book I I search for it often enough to know that it does not exist (laughs) but you know I have um actually Doc McStuffin specifically I have a little girl that I've been working with for a long time um with apraxia and we have been using Doc McStuffin songs so long in her sessions, I now know pretty much the keys and the chords and all the words to these songs just by doing them so many times live off of the CD. And I have then scratched them down so that I can play them live on guitar, whatever key they're in, so that if we want to play them with the CD, we can or without, because it's always my goal to move away from the recorded music to do more live where you have the ability to be more flexible in prompting. Um, but we've been doing Doc McStuffin songs and that does not exist anywhere. And you can't even really Google it and find all the chords for, because there's so many obscure songs from that, but it would just be so nice if there were a collection of those Disney junior songs (laughs) somewhere. That is a true fact. And I think about that all the time because my kids love those shows and The songs are really catchy and a lot of them have really great messages and themes. And I'm thinking, why don't they capitalize on this and make these songs available and not just in the episodes, but, you know, make them, make them available. Like you said, with the chords and the lyrics, even like the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme song, the hot dog song, people ask, little kids ask for that (laughs) all the time. And so I just kind of have to make it up on the spot. I know it well enough now that I can do that, but Uh, But yeah, that would be so nice and convenient. It would be. Yeah, I would love to have that book exist. But I do have those books that I grabbed from. And it's funny because one of the books that became very, very popular at my office is a collection book 
that's illustrated from when I was a child. So it was something I wanted for Christmas when I was probably a teenager, early, um, maybe before I was a teen. Uh, I wanted this piano book of um, this Disney, I think it's called the Treasury Collection, oh. uh, but you can't, you can't buy it anymore. Like it doesn't exist. You can, you can find them on like eBay, but they're pretty expensive. Uh, so this, this is a book that I loved from my childhood. Well, it has become so well loved at my office. It was starting to fall apart. And I personally was getting like, uh, mixed feelings about that. Like, okay, I like that I'm sharing it and it's, we use it all the time. So I actually took it and um, had it recreated in a binder that my clients can now flip through every page. So it's all, only for clinical use that we have this like flip, flu, flip throughable one, um, but it's all page protected now and, and kind of uh, pieced in that way. But I had to find a way to recreate this book because it was going to fall to pieces entirely um, because it was so loved. And I have um, an individual who is nonverbal that would make her song choices for her entire individual session by flipping through and finding the illustrated pictures and then pointing to them on there. Um, and I've tried different communication devices and apps that would maybe replace that on an iPad or something to make the choices, but it always for this individual goes back to that same book, which is a book that I love, you know? And, and so it's just funny how um, those things for me have been something I've had for so long. And I know all these obscure songs from the sixties or the fifties or whatever um, that were Disney uh, because of these collection books and CDs also uh, that I had when I was a kid. That is so special. I love that you've been able to incorporate those songs that are really meaningful to you and to your practice and also genius that you found a way to preserve the book and make it more available and useful to your clients. So that is great. I'm really curious, what are some of your favorite songs from that collection? Oh man, there's certain ones that we use every week. One of them is, um, I didn't know it actually, it's called Happy Happy Birthday. Um, but it's a Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, they sing it. Um, and I have a, a client who requests that one every week. And through listening to the recorded version and then using the one out of the book, we have now, um, I know it inside out and can play it while she sings the entire song. There's things like Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me. Um, what else? Bippity Boppity Boo, the um, Very Merry Unbirthday from Alice in Wonderland. Uh, a Whale of a Tale, I don't, I'm not even sure, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, I think is what that one's from, but there's just so many um, songs in it, and I, I'm amazed at the number of um, clients that will pick something that I, I think, they, there's no way they know that, like, I barely know that one, and they do, they know these songs, because their parents probably watched the movies, you know, The Parent Trap, and um older Disney movie, Zorro. I mean, I know all these strange, obscure to me, I think they're obscure, um, Disney songs, but I, I love them all. And I love that they're kind of in my arsenal um, to pull out whenever that's needed. That's so cool. Yeah. I think that's one of the hallmarks of Disney is that it is one of those things that gets passed down. I know that I have certain Disney songs that are my favorites that I've exposed my kids to, whereas, you know, 
otherwise they would only know the songs that are on the Disney Channel and the songs from the really mainstream, like Frozen and um, Moana and all of those ones. But um, but yeah, I think that's I think one of the really special things about Disney is that everyone has their favorites and those are the ones that that you kind of pass down. Have you ever found it difficult that there's like a a gap in your Disney knowledge? That's a great point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm really, really familiar with the animated movies from when I was a kid, like The Lion King, Little Mermaid. Yeah. Um, what else? Beauty, uh, and, the Beauty and the Beast. Right, right. And those. And then the, the more recent ones, like I mentioned Frozen and Moana. But I feel like some of the older ones, I'm not as well versed in. It sounds like you really are because you have the collections from when you were a kid. But there are certain ones kind of between when I was growing up to when I had kids where Disney just wasn't as much on my radar. So I kind of fell away from it a little bit. But a lot of my students, those were the songs that they really liked and the movies that they really liked. So I have had to kind of brush up and fill in those gaps a bit here and there. What about you? That's like exactly the gap that I have for songs from Cars and Toy Story and um, Princess and the Frog, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, where I I know some of them, but I don't know all of them. And so when someone wants a song from one of those that might not be like the title song from the movie, I'm surprised. I'm always surprised and a little challenged to then go out and be like, well, I have to, I have to know that to call myself like this Disney fan. And (laughs) you know, to, to say that I know so much about Disney songs, like, yeah, I do. I know a ton of really old ones up through, like you said, the ones that we kind of grew up on, but then there's that gap before like frozen came out um, that I, that I have to really challenge myself to learn Well, and I had to do that even with Frozen. So that came out, I think, right around the time my son was born. So obviously he wasn't into Disney yet. And that was still in that time period where I'd kind of fallen away from keeping up with the new stuff. So of course, all of my students are wanting Frozen songs. And so I'm having to spend time like listening to the soundtrack and learning the songs. But it came in really handy because they're still really popular today and my kids love them. So the other the other side, though, is kind of the older, not older, but appropriate for older kids Disney stuff, like The Descendants. I don't know if you're familiar with that oh, movie, yeah. but there are all kinds of songs from that movie that my more like tween students want to sing and hear in their sessions. So I'm kind of having to go through like to – kind of the past and also the songs that my kids haven't quite reached the age to be uh, familiar with. So it's kind of on both ends. But yeah, and honestly, I don't mind too much because I love Disney and the more I know and the more I'm familiar with the songs, the better. So it works out. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's funny the year, like you were saying that Frozen came out, um, Aiden was around two and we went to Disney that December And like, I actually didn't know that Frozen was a Disney feature. I had heard rumblings of this movie and we were in Disney World at our hotel walking through the um, gift shop the first 
like when we first got there and there's all these frozen things. And that was the first time that I put together that frozen was actually a Disney movie. I didn't even know it until we arrived at Disney world and we didn't know anything about it because it had either just come out or was just coming out um, right after that. Uh, so we hadn't seen it or, or knew anything of it. And it was very shortly after that, that it just like exploded. Oh yeah. And now Frozen 2 is coming. I'm excited. Oh, I know it, right? Well, it's like Incredibles 2 right now. I can't wait to go see that one. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah. I think Disney is just one of those things that will be around and popular and accessible forever. And I think it'll always play a part in our work since, you know, we do work mainly with kids and that's, that's their wheelhouse is Disney. I do love the, um, like you had mentioned that, you know, it does cross kind of all generations because even some of my individuals who are adults, young adults, older adults, um, being able to use the Mary Poppins stuff, or um, I have one individual who loves Pinocchio. It's a, it's a movie that um, I've watched with my kids. <laughs> and it's a little bit, um, it's changed. The times have changed since Pinocchio was made. Have you ever watched it with your kids? No, that's one they haven't seen yet. Yeah. I mean, they're like smoking cigars, like, <laughs> yes. and, and and drinking. And, you know, it's just these things that you're, you know, kind of going, oh, well, I don't think Disney would put that in their movie today if Pinocchio was remade. Um, but I love that I can use songs like Give a Little Whistle, which is from Pinocchio, um, in like directional and lyrical prompting. So I, um, there's all those ways to kind of use those lyrics that are in the songs to prompt something goal related um, with older individuals, especially, you know, like we've established if they are Disney um, or are drawn to Disney themselves naturally. Um, because they know the music and then can anticipate the prompts and learn the prompts as they go uh, for things like using a kazoo uh, or a train whistle during the opening parts or the prompted parts for Give a Little Whistle in that. Um, And there's a couple other ones that I was thinking of for music therapy goals that we use. Um, Oh, using some of them like uh, Kiss the Girl or You've Got a Friend in Me. I have um, individuals with limited um, signs that they use for communication. And so being able to use like the kiss and then the sign for girl um, or friend uh, within these song structures um, and even in a group setting where you can then set it up so different people, depending on their communication levels, can each have a part. You know, I'll have someone that say that's verbal that can sing you gotta and I have my next person who signs friend and then I have someone else with limited vocal or verbal communication level. And so that person then can say me. So you've got these three different levels of communication, but they're all doing this song together and they know to wait for the person that does the piece in front of them to kind of keep moving. And then they all can play together, do something on the parts that are maybe more heavy lyrically um, if they're not able to sing along. But I love how you can adapt so much of it um, strictly because again, it's something familiar. They know it. They're quick to learn. Um, and there's just so much space in there for working on language and communication. Those are all such great ideas. I love those. Thank you for sharing. And while you were talking about that, I was just thinking how Disney songs are so timeless and they appeal to every generation. Even working with some of my older adult groups and my memory care groups, bringing out songs like When You Wish Upon a Star and Zippity Doodah, 
those songs to them are so meaningful and so poignant and they just enjoy them so much when I include them in their sessions. But then, you know, I can also use that those songs with early childhood groups and they're <laughs> just as effective there. Do you have a song or anything specifically um, that has become a favorite that you've used clinically? Ooh, you know, right now it's probably You're Welcome from Moana. Uh, There are just so many ways to use that song. And I personally love singing it so much. We sing it at home like 24-7. My son knows all the words to the rap part in the middle And so, of course, now I do too, but it comes in so handy in sessions because um, it's good for working on like that verbalization, using manners, and so many goals, like you were saying. It's just, there's so many ways to incorporate it. Um, I have a client that's using a communication device, and so um, getting her to select your welcome in the appropriate parts during that song is just one of the ways that that we put it to use. Well, we too um, at home a lot, especially like at dinner time or something. If someone asks for something and says thank you, like it's natural for me to be like, "You're welcome." welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just comes out naturally. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I use. Um, I guess one of my favorite ones that I use clinically would be "Kiss the Girl" uh, from The Little Mermaid, and I like it for a couple of reasons. Um, like, and you, the lyrics for kiss the girl are something that that's easy to kind of, um, come back to for, uh, the individual I'm thinking of that we sing this song together for, but it's also, there's not many Disney songs that are low in, uh, the number of chords. So kiss the girl is actually just a three chord song really. And there's so many that are not just that is a great point yeah some of them are really in depth and tricky to translate to to guitar yes especially with key changes and you know all of these things um but kiss the girl and I guess another one would be um supercalifragilisticexpialidocious that's another one that's lower in the chords um and bippity boppity boo like those I feel like I can use bells and cueing for um, some other uh, less complex chord structured things when it comes to use clinically, which maybe makes it a little bit easier for someone who wants to strum guitar along so that the guitar, if it's in the right key, won't sound completely out of character if if the key changes which happens you know in some of a lot of the Disney songs (laughs) um but I but those have been ones that I've used I mean I I I couldn't even tell you the number of times I've sang Kiss the Girl in my professional music therapy career I mean there is somebody I sang it with every week at least once maybe twice um for years and years and years you can play some of those backwards and forwards it seems like um but I I honestly still like the song, which is, I think, kind of um, surprising because I know a lot of um, songs that I do get burnt out on and I don't want to sing, but I feel like maybe with a lot of and most of the Disney songs, I've never really felt like I get burnt out of learning them or singing them, even if it's for the 750th time. (laughs) I will (laughs) admit there was a time when if I had to play Let It Go one more time, I was literally going to lose my mind. But this is also back before, like I was saying, my my son was a baby, so there wasn't that connection with 
him loving the song and loving the movie. Now I love it. And anytime somebody requests it, I will happily play it. So I think like having that personal connection makes a big difference. You talking about that client that you sang that one Disney song with every single week reminded me of a client that I had who wanted to sing We're All in This Together from High School Musical every single week. And at first it was exhausting and I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to kind of take that and kind of lead it into something else. But we ended up using that as a prompt to actually write our own musical in quotation marks. Oh, um, that. Yeah. So we, we took kind of the themes of High School Musical and we made the characters relevant to her life and she kind of got to give some input into the storyline and we came up with lyrics for our own songs to go with it. So it was kind of that springboard into working on something that was more tailored to her and her specific goals. So that was kind of cool. High School Musical has been one of those that, again, falls in that generational thing where I didn't fully know the songs. Um, you know, so I remember very clearly having to learn some of those songs for the first time from the first movie. And then I had to really stretch myself to learn them from the second and the third, because I think there are three of them. Yes, there um, are. <laughs> it just they fall into that that category of um, they weren't mainstream uh, movies. They were made for television. Um, but man, there were certain ages of individuals who loved High School Musical um, and knew all of the songs inside and out. Uh, but I didn't naturally know those. Those took a little bit of effort and still do if people request them to kind of brush oh, yeah. them off and bring them out. Same here. And I got lucky in that. That was during my internship, and I was really in just go mode as far as learning new songs at that point. So I kind of just learned the whole batch right then and there, and they've been helpful. Not not so much today, um, just because there have been big, huge Disney hits since then that have kind of taken over as far as um, the popular song requests go, but it, they're up there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> the ones that I always think are surprising when people request them, and again, I'm kind of proud to be able to do them, are the ones that are pretty much exclusively used in the Disney parks, like um, Yoho, Yoho, Pirate's yep. Life for Me, yeah. um, the, the Tiki Room, the Tiki, 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 Ooh, Tiki I don't room. know that one. Yeah, which is um, a, a show that I think is like turning into mm -hmm. a dinosaur at the Magic Kingdom. Um it's over by the pirate's life. and I know uh, where like, it is, but I honestly, I've never actually been in it because it's one of those that I'm like, oh, that's an old one. We're not yes. going to spend time there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But like, I'm, I'm always amazed when someone asks for that song, which I can. I, I do know that one. And it is kind of cute. Um, and then there's even some of them from, um, oh, what's, I can't remember the exact that America, spread your golden wings. It's from one of the really older um, show-type rides. Is it the oh. American Presidents Is it one? from the Hall of um, Presidents? Yeah, that yeah, was that's what I was what thinking. I think. yeah. yeah, but every once in a while, like, somebody will request or it'll, you know, like I said, I have the individual who flips through pages, but then she will then know after I do it once or twice. Like, she knows what the song is then, even though if she didn't know it originally, like, but I can still pull it out. But um, having uh those songs that are strictly from or created for the theme parks is kind of fun uh, I wish that there were maybe um a cd 
released now or maybe I should look and see if there's one from anything that's more current because I don't yeah. actually know but that was something I um that was on a CD when I was a child uh that I had asked for that is so fun I I was thinking of the the one right when you walk in I'm walking right down the middle of Main Street USA you know that one <laughs> yes yes or the another one that's really outdated is that there's a great big beautiful tomorrow oh, yes. yep ending <laughs> at the end of every day <laughs> but yeah they they should um or maybe I should look more to see if there's like an updated version of park songs cuz there's yeah. got to be that'd be a fun nostalgia experience Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's talk some more about going to the parks and and actually um, experiencing Disney in first person. So you kind of talked about how it was really important to you as a kid. What sparked that and how did it kind of shape your childhood? Well, I come from a Disney family. Um, my mom went to Disney World growing up. Um, I don't know, often enough, I would say maybe every other year, which is what we did kind of when I was a child and what I've kind of laid the ground for, for my family too. Um, but it's been something that my mom did when she was a kid, my grandparents then, um, who I, I, I've referenced before, my, my grandfather is 92 and my grandmother is 87. Um, and they used to go even like by themselves when they would like winter down in Florida. So like they laid the groundwork for the Disney loving in my family that I think keeps going. So we used to always make big family trips. So we'd go with my grandparents and then my parents and we'd all um, either camp at Fort Wilderness or stay in one of the value resorts. And it's just always been a thing to do that has nothing but positive, fun, memories associated with it. Um, and I, you know, I, there's not many places I think that you can go to where you can go in and I mean, yes, Disney's not cheap, <laughs> right? But you can go in and you can do everything. Um, I'll ride all of these different rides and experience all these different things and go meet characters. And, and there's so much you can do that doesn't cost extra, um, that, you know, I remember my first autograph book, you know, where I would go and we'd meet the characters and my parents would wait in line for us to meet all the characters. Um, and then it was fun when we took uh, Aiden the second time and he was interested in getting autographs. I pull out my autograph book from the 90s and we use that. So it's a starting off point of talking because the people that work there recognize that it's an autograph book out of the 90s. Um, and then they want to look back through and see the signatures of the characters that were out um, in the wild <laughs> back when I was a kid. It's always been such a fun um, family bonding experience that I feel like there's no place else, I don't know, that that gives me that kind of feeling as Disney World does. And I feel like that's probably with their magic and why they draw so many people in. And you can relate, I'm sure. You must have experienced that magic yourself many times over um, in order to get to the Disney-loving person that you are today. Yeah, I did. Um, as a child, we only took really one Disney trip um, in my early childhood, I think I was, well, I wasn't that young. I was about eight. And that was just, that set in motion my love for Disney. I just 
couldn't believe that there was this place where like all of this magic was happening and it stuck with me after that trip and I just never forgot the feeling that I had when I was there. And then I was able to go again with a friend's family in junior high. And at that point, I'd gotten really into music. So I was connecting kind of the music side with the actual Disney experience. And really from there, it just grew. And by the time I was deciding which college I wanted to go to, one of – this is a little embarrassing to admit, but I'll, I'll let you all in on this. So one of the deciding factors on the school that I chose, which was Rollins College in Florida, is the fact that it was 30 minutes away, 30 minutes or less away from Disney World. And I just, I had it in my head that I was going to be a vocal performance major, which I was, and that eventually I would get a job at Disney as a performer. I'd always loved Beauty and the Beast and Belle, and I loved going to see the Beauty and the Beast show at MGM back when it was MGM. And I had this dream. And so I went to school there. I went to Disney World all the time. Every time a friend or a family member would visit me, we'd go to Disney World, which was great. One of my best memories from that time was when my dad and my stepmom came to visit me. And after my semester, my winter or my fall semester wrapped up, we went to Disney World, just the three of us, and we spent like four or five days there. We stayed at the Grand Floridian. And, you know, I was a college student. I wasn't a little kid, but I felt like a little kid because I was with my parents and we were just riding all the rides and going to all the attractions. And it was just the most fun. And I still have that memory to this day. And taking my kids there now, it's like, oh my gosh, I want them to have that same experience. I want them to make those memories and take them with them as they grow up too. Yes. We did go a ton as a kid, um, which, you know, it's one of those things where I know that I don't have the best memories in the world of my trips when I was really young. I have some memories. I think a lot of them are from photos and stuff that we have and that we um, look at. Um and actually, speaking of photos, that was one of the things we did as a family um, at the holiday time. My grandpa would pull out his slide projector of when my mom was a kid and put on the reel of slides with the screen in the living room. And we would watch the slide photos of my parent, my mom and her siblings going to Disney World as a kid. So, I mean, just to have those photos and those memories. Um, and I remember really clearly because we used to stay at Fort Wilderness Lodge, which mm -hmm. um, we'd camp. And I had younger siblings that they were both about six years younger than me. So I would be able to like do things with my dad after the kids, would, you know, the kids, my brother and sister <laughs> would be in bed. <laughs> um, and they would play movies. And I remember like the movie, I don't remember what movie it was, but I remember going and watching the movie and then like characters would come out, you know, Chip and Dale would come out and it, it was just such this, um, almost like intimate little thing that we would get to um, experience and that I just remember so clearly. And I remember the things that I bought. I still have this little like goofy pewter pendant thing that, <laughs> that I lost. And then we had to call Disney and they, and buy another one and they like mailed it to us. You know, I mean, things that are in, those are the kind of things that, you know, Disney does. They do all those things that um, just make you feel special. And I know 
that taking my children when they are, I mean, the first time Madeline went, she was four months old. <laughs> the first time oh Riley went, she was what, six months old. Aiden was two the first time he went. Um, so it was more for the older sibling, obviously. Madeline just happened to be a baby. Um, but taking Madeline when she was two, the memories for me, I'm not going to forget that feeling of taking my kids, um, despite the fact that they might not remember all of the things that they got to see or do. But I remember watching them go up to those characters for the first time and um Luckily, I've been videoing too. So we put a collection DVD together after every year. My husband edits it all together. We have these little like um, 10 minute videos, 15 minute videos of our trips through the eyes of a GoPro. <laughs> but Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, it was it was really fun. I did it when Aiden was two for the first time. Um, but you could take a selfie stick into Disney World then. So like on rides and stuff, I could like, I mean, I wasn't one of those crazy obnoxious. My arm wasn't way out in the world. <laughs> I was very cautious with it. But now selfie sticks are completely banned because I think people were probably taking out rides with them. <laughs> but, oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I still take the little handheld. I just hold it, the little GoPro and it works so well and it just gives this perspective. There's no dialogue to the videos, um, but they love getting them out and looking at them and watching them. And, and again, they might not really remember, but they're going to remember from those videos and they'll have the um, that to watch uh, for when they went, but I will remember. Well, and I love that you point that out because I feel like we don't use that as a reason as often as we should. I know that our family got quite a bit of pushback from people when we decided to go on a Disney cruise for the first time. My daughter was six months old and my son was two. And people are like, you're crazy. No, They're not going to ever remember that. Like, that's a waste of money. And to me, you know, I was thinking in my head like, well, I'm going to have a great time. They're going to have a great time while they're there. But now thinking back to those memories when we were there, like the pirate night and seeing how my son reacted to everybody dressed up like a pirate and just seeing the ship and seeing all the characters like that, those memories are so special to me. And we have the pictures all over the place. They're all over our house. They're in our scrapbooks and things. And my daughter, who was only six months, She'll look at them and she'll talk all about the cruise and the people that she saw and the characters that she met. So it's it's real to her, just not necessarily in her memory from real time. But yeah. but I think it, it still was a special experience for all of us. Yep. Well, I, that same type of thing, like you're mentioning with the pirate night, when we took Aiden over um, – to Art of Animation Resort when he was two because he loved cars and I knew that there were cars over there, but I'd never been over there myself either. He ran through there like he was, I mean, he was beyond excited and the wonder and the, I mean, he was like leaping around like this little bunny, so excited. And he's talking to every car that he comes up to. And I don't want to ever squander and squelch that, you know, it's like, I, I love seeing that and experiencing that with him. Um, and you know, we, we went back when he was four and he remembers the video from when he was two. So then he's trying to recreate the video. So he's like hopping around when he's four. And then when, when we went again, just recently, um, when he was six, he, he walked through it a little bit more calmly, but he was like telling Madeline, like, now I was here before and let me show you where all of these things are. So, I mean, like he has the memory of it, um, whether or not it's from the video or from real life. Um, but it, it's something that he's going to always, I think, remember in one way or another, but I won't ever forget it. 
it. And I think that that, I don't have to justify the reason that I want the memories. I think that as a parent, like we just enjoy watching our kids have wonder and amazement and enjoyment. And um, for us, Disney World just kind of does that. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And it's, I feel like it's infectious. Um, My husband was never a big Disney person. He was always one of those people that said, you know, why do adults go to Disney without kids? Like, I don't understand it. What's the big deal? And after we did the Disney cruise for the first time, he kind of got that bug. And the next year he's like, I think we need to go to Disney again. So we ended up going to Disney World and doing all the parks. And my son at that point was three. My daughter was 18 months. So they both were definitely able to have more of the experience that time and really just eat it all up. I mean, just seeing my son experience that at that really, really magical age of three and just being able to take it all in was so special. Like you were saying, yeah, I can't wait to do it again. I'm like, let's plan our next trip. Let's go again this fall. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I, um, my husband also, like he went to Disney world a couple times in his like older teen years and, and young adult life. Um, but so the first time when I took Aiden, um, I just went with my mom and my uh, grandparents at the time. So or I think my stepdad went too. But we just went uh, smaller. Um, Dave did not join us. Um, and then when we went, so when Madeline was four months old and Aiden would have been four, I had said to him, like, so I'm really thinking that a Disney trip is in order and he's always a little bit more trepidatious with it. So I booked the trip with my mom again and he decided that he'd come for half of it. So he flew down for the week and then, you know, he, he loved it and had a great time and he wants to go maybe every other year. We're kind of looking at January of 2020 and then trying to bring in like my sister and her kids and um, maybe both sets of my parents uh, to try to like go down and have this big family soiree down there at Disney World. Um, oh, fun. Yeah, but but I'm like, I don't know, can I wait till January of 2020? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to set the expectation that we're going to go every year. The kids will, you know, Aiden won't forget that. He already knows that it's every two years and I should probably we keep that limit but yeah well it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world (laughs) (laughs) it's true it's true yeah well suffice to say that disney knows what they're doing they know how to reel you in and hook you for life (laughs) they do really it's like you feel like you're kind of a cult part of a cult once you once you experience it and you realize how much you love it that i found myself listening to Disney podcasts and like I joined Mm. some Disney groups on Facebook. I'm like, who am I? (laughs) But at the same time, I was completely relating to these people because it's just, it allows you to be a kid and just be able to live life in a magical way and, you know, focus on the positive things, which I think everybody could use more of these days. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that I joined, um, have you ever heard of Kenny and the Pirate? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yes. I joined that and paid what you do um, and found out about the character Palooza thing. And that was pretty awesome. If you have not ever figured that out or looked into it, you should look into it. Okay. I will for our next trip. And I like <laughs> that you that you brought him up because the way I found out about him was the last time we were planning our most recent Disney trip, I had mentioned to one of my students' mom that we were going on vacation. And her family is another Disney family. They go 
I think every other year. And so she had all of these secrets and hot tips for me and was just sending me emails full of resources and information. And I found over the last couple of years that it's a really nice way to connect with my families that I work with at Music Therapy Connections because so many of them do love Disney and travel there pretty regularly as well. I absolutely relate. I know exactly when you say Disney family is from your clinic, like I can go right there and be like, oh, yep, there's this one and this one and this one. I remember before I went with Madeline, when Madeline was four months old, I hadn't done a lot of baby carrying with Aiden. Like I had a a not very comfortable, kind of an expensive carrier with him. Um, And so I didn't really use it very much. But with Madeline, I wanted to learn more about baby wearing. So I had um, an Ergo that I bought. That oh, I, re- yeah. that I, yeah, that I really liked. Um, and then I had a Moby that I was like overwhelmed with because, you know, it's yards of fabric. I mean, yes. it, <laughs> you know, um, and it was one of my parents in an early childhood class that was always baby wearing, um, had their toddler that was in the class and they were usually baby wearing their infant and they had ring slings and they had the, you know, all the different kind of carriers. And so I finally just was like, so can you talk to me about baby carriers before we go? And they actually let me borrow one of theirs that they had to just try and stuff and decide if I wanted to use it. And then fast forward to Riley, I borrowed again from another family that was always wearing, they had the ring sling, which is now one of my favorite ones to use Riley in. And she's 14 months, um, but it's just an easy go-to one. But it's funny how it's because of talking to my families and then them finding out I was going Disney vacations where I'd be, you know, walking around and I needed to baby wear that these kind of, I've, I've been able to figure out what to wear and what to use and how to use it. And it's nice to have these families that um, we have similar things and they're more than willing to share their experiences baby wearing when they go to Disney or when they go on any vacations. But because of that Disney piece, they know how hard it is when you have little ones and um, can offer different tips and ideas. And now I feel like I'm passing that on to families when it comes up now. Like, oh, do you, you know, are you planning on wearing one of your kids when you go? Or did you think about this stroller? (laughs) Because those are really hard things to navigate. Oh, yeah, they're huge. And I had literally that exact same experience where we were planning to bring the double stroller, obviously. But one of my families, actually, she they go to Disney World every single year. They're like gung-ho Disney. And she said, well, you better bring your Ergo because even if, you know, you don't think that you'll really use it or you don't use it much anymore. At that point, Mia was 18 months. So, you know, every so often, but not regularly. She's like, bring that because you'll need it. I used that thing literally like every day, all day with her. And it was the best. It was such a great idea to bring that even though, you know, she was kind of growing out of that at that point. But yeah. And now I tell everybody that's going, I'm like, bring your baby carrier. Even if you don't use it much anymore, bring it. Yes. Yeah. Cause you're going to be in rides or lines for rides oh, and yeah. walking around. And sometimes, you know, I could always rely on one falling asleep, probably in the stroller in the afternoon, but sometimes you're not where the stroller is in the afternoon and you need to have that child still have a downtime or a nap. So the baby carriers are so natural for letting them have that downtime or to sleep. I feel like I use them specifically for napping all the time when we're gone, when we're out like that. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, I have a feeling that we could probably continue talking about Disney for 
another like five hours or so. <laughs> I I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we'll we'll wrap it up here. I would love to hear from those of you who are listening what your take on Disney is and if you use it in your work at all, if you're a Disney family, quote unquote, and what your experiences have been. So definitely feel free to share those with us. You can do that in the comments of the show notes over at guitarsandgranolabars.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Rachel Rambach and at Listen Learn Music. And you can find Jamie there at HG Music Therapy. Thank you as always for listening to the show and we will talk to you again next week.